0: Want to be the first to know when new Forces for Nature episodes come out? Sign up for the newsletter on our website, www.forcesfornature.com. You can find the sign-up link at the bottom of the webpage or in the About section. When you do, you'll also receive a free checklist of easy, practical actions for nature that you can start taking today. I can't wait to connect with you. Today's episode is sponsored by Force of Nature Cleaner. It's more important than ever to make sure your home is free from nasty germs and viruses, but how can you make sure that the cleaners you're using aren't leaving behind toxins with other nasty side effects? Force of Nature Cleaner is an all-natural EPA-registered disinfectant that kills 99.9% of viruses and bacteria. Be sure to get yours today through the link in the show notes. I'm Crystal DiMicelli, and welcome to the Forces for Nature show. Do you find yourself overwhelmed with all the doom and gloom you hear of these days? Do you feel like you, as just one person, can't really make a difference? Forces for nature cuts through that negativity. In each episode, I interview someone who's doing great things for animals in the environment. We talk through the problem they're addressing, the solution they have found, we'll keep them going, and we'll leave you with practical action tips so that you too can become a force for nature. Today's guest is the executive director of the International Rhino Foundation, Nina Facion. The International Rhino Foundation works to save the remaining five species of rhinos in the world, two of which only have less than 80 individuals each. But no one is sitting around in despair. She and her team are doing all they can to save rhinos, and even surprised me with a silver lining that has arisen from this crazy year. Hi, Nina. Thank you so much for joining me on Forces for Nature. It's so great to have you.
1: Hi, Crystal. I am so delighted to be here with you today.
0: From my perspective, most people know that there are rhinos in Africa, but few are aware that there are also rhino species in India and Indonesia, the latter of which I'd like to focus on today. Can you tell me a little bit about them?
1: Sure. I would love to talk to you about those rhinos because I think you're right that most people are not aware that there are two different species of rhinos in Indonesia, and both are critically, critically endangered. And those are the Sumatran and the Javan rhinos. There are fewer than 80 of each of them.
0: Fewer than 80 individuals.
1: Fewer than 80 individuals of this large mammal.
0: Wow, that's, that's really even... It's hard to imagine that in the entire world. That's all that's left
1: it is hard to imagine. And, you know, Indonesia is such an interesting country. It's the fourth most populated country in the world. And it's also one of the most biodiverse countries. The biodiversity is unbelievable there. And in fact, in one part of Sumatra, there are, this presumably will come as a surprise to many of your listeners, but in one area, there are rhinos, elephants, tigers, orangutans, and some bears and a whole lot of other cool stuff, including one of my favorites, lots of bats. But all of those large mammals in one very biodiverse-rich area.
0: And why have their numbers decreased so drastically? Why are they in such peril?
1: Yeah, so the original causes was poaching for rhino horn and habitat loss. So both of those things are still true today. And there are additional challenges of once you have extremely small population sizes, then you have a host of other problems. So with the Javan rhino, they exist literally only in one area, uh, in Ujjan Kulan National Park. And with any species, not just rhinos, if they're in one area, they're susceptible to possibly disease. Or in the case of the Javan rhino, it could be a natural disaster because Ujung Kulon National Park happens to lie in the shadow of Anak Krakatoa, the volcano that actually triggered the 2018 tsunami where 400 people died, and luckily the rhinos were spared, but, you know, it's, it's a risk. And then with the Sumatran rhinos, there are other concerns resulting from small population size, and one of the most concerning is that They're so few and far between. The boys can't find the girls and the girls can't find the boys. I mean, they literally can't find mates uh, to mate with. And there's some speculation. It's not really confirmed, but there's some speculation that the longer a Sumatran rhino goes without breeding, that they possibly lose their ability to reproduce. So there are all kinds of reproductive challenges in this small and incredibly fragile population.
0: Oh, wow. So the longer they can't reproduce, less of a chance, and the higher of a chance they're going to go extinct. Oh wow!
1: Yeah, we're talking about mammals that are large and slow to reproduce, right? So I wish we could say they had litters yeah. <laughs> every couple <of> months, <laughs> but they don't. Their gestation period is a good fifteen months, and they don't mm. start to reproduce until they're a few years old, and mm-hmm. and so. Right. It, t- it takes a lot to create new rhinos.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Now you're with the International Rhino Foundation, which has been working to save rhinos for the last 30 years. What are you guys able to do for these critically endangered species?
1: Yeah, thanks for asking that. And yes, the International Rhino Foundation works on all five existing rhino species in the world today. And we do put a lot of effort into our Sumatran and, and Javan and rhino programs and uh, different things for each of those species. Shall I do one one, and then the other?
0: Yeah, sure. Let's start with the Sumatran
1: rhinos. Okay, great. So I should say, not that, not that we have favorites, but the Sumatran rhinos are super cute. They're tiny. They're very small for rhinos, cute, the little hairy ones. How tiny are they? Well...
0: Because you always you. think of a rhino with that's huge with these right. big horns. And... No,
1: they're small. They're the size of a taper, maybe. And one quick story, if I, if I may, uh, about one of the rhino, we have a, we work with our partners on the ground, Yabi, to maintain a Sumatran rhino sanctuary where there are seven rhinos. And I can go more into that later. But one of the rhinos there, Ratu, is a female. And when she was... Capture. There's a goal to get Sumatran rhinos into captivity, into a captive breeding program. Villagers were out hunting at night and thought she was a wild pig. So that was a story to show how how tiny they can be. They they realized she was a rhino and they did alert park authorities. And so the park, this was in Waikambas National Park, they sent some rangers in and some veterinarians, and they actually walked with her. I think it took a couple of days. Uh, from where they had found her into the Sumatran Rhino Sanctuary, which I love the story. It sounds like she just kind of hung out with, with the guys for yeah. a couple of days, walking really? to the sanctuary, where she remains to this day. And she has had two offspring there. So a uh, son who's eight years old and a, her daughter, Delilah, who's four years old. So, Yay. Yes, exactly. So that was the story of Ratu. But um, <laughs> I, I got ahead of myself with the, with a little rhino story. So the Sumatran rhinos are highly endangered. They have these reproductive problems. What the International Rhino Foundation is working on with our partners, and I'm talking partners on the ground, global partners, academicians, the government of Indonesia, and so on. There are a lot of people who who care about these rhinos and are working to try to protect them. We're doing a couple of things. We have long supported, in fact, it was just the 25th anniversary, that's how long, uh, of rhino protection units which are the the ranger units that that patrol twenty four seven in both Sumatra and Javan and rhino territory? They are these teams of individuals that go out for fifteen straight days, and then they trade off with the next team in terms of looking for looking for rhinos, looking rhino signs, um, looking for illegal activity in the parks. And so, thanks to these strong Protection and monitoring measures that have been going on for, for decades now, there has not been a rhino poached in the Sumatran rhino in at least 15 years and Javan rhino in about 20 years. So they're hugely successful programs there. So, so that's one huge thing is the, is the rhino protection. Maybe almost, well, as I'm, I was going to say more importantly, but certainly as importantly is this global effort now to bring rhinos into captivity, or as we say, it's kind of, it's go time, it's blackfooted ferret time, California condor time, uh, red wolf, Mexican gray wolf, all of these species that have been saved by bringing them into captivity, into a captive breeding program. And that's where we are with Sumatran rhinos. We have seven in the Sumatran rhino sanctuary, and we are working with our partners to try to bring more into captivity and captive breeding programs.
0: Almost like a Noah's Ark. A
1: Noah's Ark, exactly. That's a great way to phrase Mm -hmm. it. Hopefully with more than two.
0: Hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully. And I mean, with all of those other species that you mentioned, they have been successful. So you can go from only having 70 to 80 individuals in the world to repopulating and and bringing them back from the, the brink.
1: I think so. I think with protections and a captive breeding program that could be natural breeding or could be there are a lot of really smart scientists working on artificial reproduction technologies now for this taxon. And so I think with all of us working together, we can get there.
0: So if you are able to get more individuals, is there habitat to put them in? to put them back out in? How, what's the situation with their habitat?
1: Yeah, great question. The habitat is equally important. And the International Rhino Foundation has been working on a reforestation project again with our local partners. And in fact, it's a program I love. It involves a lot of community work and community support, which I just love. So we contract with local farmers groups to uh, grow seedlings. And then we hire people, including through a special program where we hire people with disabilities that might not be able to get other work. And they plant the seedlings, they tend to the seedlings, they get rid of invasive plant species. And so all of this is to provide more food sources and general habitat for Sumatran rhinos.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. And should we move on to Javan rhinos? Yes, I...
1: Delighted to talk about javan rhinos. There are some overlapping issues with javan rhinos, habitat being one of them. There's a plant species in javan. They're the the ones that
0: are only located in one location.
1: Javan rhinos in Ujjan. Yes, thank you. Okay. Javan rhinos are in Ujjan Kulon National Park on the island of Java. And they literally are just in that one area. So that's absolutely our biggest concern. I will say that even though there are fewer than 80 Javan rhinos, that's the phrase we use. Actually, literally, there are 72 Javan rhinos. They're so carefully watched. They know. (laughs) They they know how many there are.
0: Wow. Um,
1: There may possibly, I keep spilling the beans, there may possibly be more than 72 this year. Keep your ears (laughs) peeled produce on that. uh, Fingers crossed. Okay. But so they are considered, even though the numbers are uh, low and almost as low as Sumatran rhinos, They've been doing much better. They were at a low of 55 at one point and, and have been making a steady comeback with a, with these strong protection measures through our rhino protection units. So obviously with fewer than 80 animals, we're still worried and putting a lot of effort there, but it's frankly, it's a rosier picture than it is with Sumatran rhinos because their numbers are increasing. And as you said, one population, the main goal is to have them spread out and and start <laughs> and get additional populations.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, in would, other areas,
1: you mean? In other areas, right. And, and one of the ways we're doing that, there's a, a plant species called the oranga palm, which is not an invasive species, but it's also not a, it's a very aggressive plant, and it's also not a preferred food source for Javan Rhinos. So we have a program, again, we work, we work with local people to do oranga palm removal. And then when the palm is removed, you don't even necessarily need to replant the preferred rhino food sources. It just provides the ability for those plant species to come back on their own. So we're doing some great habitat work with local people in Java and rhino territory as well. And they clearly need room to expand.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you guys are already on that.
1: We are trying, trying to get them away <laughs> from that volcano. And give them some more habitat.
0: Is it is it really that close that it's, it's a significant threat?
1: When the tsunami hit, it hit in West Java. The 2018 tsunami was West uh-huh. Java. And luckily, the rhino population is kind of on the other side of the mountain, so to speak. But it, it's too close for comfort, certainly.
0: Oh, wow. That's one natural disaster. Well, speaking of natural disasters, that reminds me of what happened in... Was it 2018? There was a huge flood in India that ended up killing a huge number of rhinos and wildlife?
1: There were, so there are regularly floods in India. There were floods in India this year. This year was the sixth highest flooding. This is in Kazaranga National Park in India. And there were rhinos lost. I'm trying to remember the exact number. I think it might have been 18 or 19 rhinos lost.
0: Oh, that was this year. Oh, yeah. Sorry. As, well, no, that's okay because as
1: uh, our my Indian colleagues keep pointing out, oh, this was just the sixth largest, <laughs> so it was not even the largest. It was not even the highest oh, uh, flooding. Wow. So there is regular flooding that occurs now. Wildlife are pretty hardy, right? And if given a chance, and if they have proper habitat where they can move and kind of get out of flood zones and such, they can be okay. But it is something to watch. And in fact, one of the things that we at the International Rhino Foundation did this year is we sent in some supplemental browse for the rhinos that were kind oh. of s- stranded, yeah. high, and, high and dry, but, uh, you know, away from the floodwaters. So we we have two people on the ground in India, t- two of our staff there who were monitoring it very, very closely.
0: Oh, wow. Well. Okay. I mean, it's great the work that that you guys are doing. What would you... Well, I imagine... Unfortunately, with climate change, these natural disasters are more and more likely to happen, which is an issue for everyone everywhere. But what would you say your biggest challenge is now?
1: Our biggest challenge now would be COVID. So in Indonesia, the COVID precautions and lockdowns are delaying our efforts, which we're very eager to proceed with, to capture rhinos and get them in captivity. It's Delaying trainings and meetings. And frankly, we have some people out in the field who are still monitoring and such. And I should mention, both Asia and in Africa, luckily, rhino protection work has been considered essential services. So the protection has not stopped, but it has stopped many of our more proactive conservation efforts.
0: Mm, Okay. And we don't know when that's going to resolve itself unfortunately.
1: And we don't know. We hope to move forward as best we can in 2021.
0: Mm -hmm. Although, to swing into something that is more hopeful, the COVID situation has been good for the African rhinos, which we we haven't talked about today, but I'd like you to tell us more about that.
1: Absolutely. Yes. And it has been a rather positive and strange upside of the COVID lockdown is that Throughout most of Africa, poaching saw a very steep decline after the lockdowns for various reasons. In South Africa, for example, poachers will often go into Kruger National Park or other areas kind of posing as tourists. They'll go in cars into the park to do their poaching operations. And as South Africa had such a strict lockdown that all vehicle traffic was halted. And so poachers literally couldn't get around and they couldn't hide amongst the tourists and such. And so there was a huge decline. And so in South Africa, in the first six months of 2019, there were 319 rhinos poached. And in the first six months of 2020, there were 166 rhinos poached. So we don't love 166 rhinos being poached, but what are we talking about? Almost half of what it was a year prior. And in fact, one month this spring in Kruger National Park's intensive protection zone saw zero poaching incidents, which was the first time since 2007. So it was a nice reprieve for everybody, the rhinos and the people who really work very hard and frankly put their lives on the line protecting them. So that is an upside. Of course, we're watching and we're worried as things open up again. Oh, and I'm sorry, one other thing I should mention is that trade routes to Vietnam and China, the two of the largest markets for rhino horn, were essentially shut down. So both on the supply side and the demand side, uh, there there was a bit of a reprieve.
0: Okay. All right. Because I've heard the opposite often in that the poaching has gone up because of economic reasons and because there are no tourists with eyes on the ground. So that's really good to hear.
1: Yeah, it's definitely been a little ray of hope in these dark times. There have been areas, Botswana is one of them, where poaching has continued. And we very much worry about what the poaching situation will look like once the restrictions are lifted, because people across the world, and including in Africa, are there's such high unemployment and, and economic woes. So we will be watching. I will say, I'm going back and forth, the good news, the bad news. Maybe, maybe we've all learned something from this, right? So if Forestry officials and government officials and law enforcement personnel, maybe we've all learned a little better how to do protections during this time of lockdown. So,
0: so hopefully it'll carry over. We'll remain optimistic
1: moving forward.
0: Yeah. Is there anything else that gives you hope when there are so many things that are heavy and negative?
1: Yeah, it can be tough to work in this field, but I'll tell you what gives me absolutely the most hope, and that is the very large community of individuals who are working to save these species. And as you know, I've spent my lifetime in conservation, and it can be said for any of the taxonomic groups we're talking about, but there are so many dedicated people working on rhinos, the scientists, the nonprofit organizations, the governments, members of organizations like the International Rhino Foundation and on and on. So many good people pouring their heart and souls into making sure we don't lose these really precious individuals. And then if you'll allow me, I'll finish with one other thing that gives me hope, and that is baby rhinos. Baby rhinos totally give me hope. And uh, in one little story of good news, in one area where we work in Zimbabwe, in the Boomi Valley, our partners on the ground there have reported a 13.8% population growth in black rhino this year, black rhino populations, which is such a tremendous increase. Last year, it was, I think, of 13%, right? So black rhinos are also critically endangered. And so this kind of growth rate this year is very exciting and
0: That is such a great thing to hear when you have all these other negative things happening. That's that's really good. And I do want to throw in a a plug that is near and dear to my heart. So with the Emerging Wildlife Conservation Leaders Program that you are co-founder of, this year's cohort is working on different rhino projects, right? Yes, that is
1: true. And believe it or not, I had nothing to do with that. (laughs) <laughs> oh okay. <laughs>
0: I just got very lucky. So what are, what are they working on? Because to help the listener understand, it's a leadership organization for conservation individuals who are now working on projects that aren't in their field necessarily. So it's showing how you don't have to work in a particular field to make a difference in it. And so what are these individuals doing for rhinos?
1: That is true. Uh, and so we have 4 rhino groups. So yes, we're covering four of the five species, and they are frankly doing the best they can, considering several of the groups had plans to do work on the grounds. And that obviously has been hindered by a global pandemic, but they are doing the best they can. And in fact, I'll just do a shout out for the Sumatran Rhino Group working with the International Rhino Foundation. They did a fun What Rhino Are You quiz that's on our website. So if you want to see which rhino you're most like, and they do have personalities at our <laughs> Sumatran Rhino Sanctuary. You can you can check that out.
0: All right. You're not, you'll share that link with me and I'll put it in the show notes oh, I'd so love to. Thanks. people can find out what rhino they are. I'm going to take that quiz.
1: <laughs> I, well, okay. In the interest of full disclosure, when I first heard that, I thought, huh, will people like that? And then I took the quiz. I'm like, this is so much fun. Mm-hmm. So- people love that
0: kind of thing. <laughs> I love that kind of thing. <laughs> So what can the listener do to help rhinos?
1: Well, you know what? One thing I have neglected to mention is that we have a very big day coming up in the rhino world. And that is World Rhino Day, which we celebrate every year, is September 22nd. And we absolutely welcome people to join us for some fun rhino activities. So if you go to our website at rhinos.org, right on our homepage, there's a link to all our World Rhino Day activities. And we literally will have things like Rhino Bingo. And and there are some fun talks. And there are some fun interviews with, for example, some of our uh, member two of our Rhino Protection Unit and our our partners on the grounds in Indonesia and elsewhere. We have a Save the Rhino report that we just released that's on there. So anyway, virtual events and such. (laughs) buy a rhino t-shirt. We have a unique design every year and it's a, it's a fun colorful one. And then I will also mention social media. We, we have a hashtag going keep the five alive and I'm on a personal campaign to get people to subscribe to our YouTube channel because then we get higher placement on YouTube. So, and let me say we have unbelievable footage, right? So we actually post things like <laughs> oven rhino rolling around in a mud puddle. And so we have some, some good social media if you think these are cool critters i highly recommend you follow us
0: yeah i think people underestimate the power of awareness and spreading the word so even if if you're not living amongst rhino just teaching people that they exist and that they're important is a really important thing that you can do
1: it can be your next socially distanced party conversation did you know there's a
0: cute little
1: hairy rhino in (laughs) indonesia
0: that that walks alongside of you apparently like right (laughs) exactly it It was for for strolls. strolls with some rangers (laughs) you know thank you so much it was great reconnecting with you thank you for all that you do you're making a difference
1: thank you for everything you do Crystal. you know i'm a big fan of your podcast i listen every time you put out a new one i'm right on it and i'm so delighted to to be with you you today
0: It's sometimes overwhelming to think about all the obstacles that rhinos encounter to survive. And it's hard to imagine there being only a handful of your kind left in the world. But despite all that, there are dedicated individuals like Nina, her team, their partners, and you and I, who won't rest until they're safe. Don't forget to go to forcesfornature.com and sign up to receive weekly show notes, action tips, and be included in monthly giveaways. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to go to your podcast platform and please rate and review it. And don't forget to subscribe to never miss a new one. Hit me up on Instagram and Facebook and let me know what actions you've been taking. Adopting just one habit can be a game changer because imagine if a billion people also adopted that. What difference for the world are you going to make today?